What's up, everybody? What up, Salty Dog Land? Salty Dogs Podcast. Nation of the Amalekites, Jezebites, Hezekites. The Shiites. Salty Dogites. And the Hittites. Yep. And the Salty Dogites. And don't forget those nasty Sumerians. Samaritans. You want to hear a funny joke? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I don't even know if I should say this or not. I'm going to say it. Say it. I used to joke about saying the Hittites, the Shiites, and the Biatches. Just because of the Shiite sounds like something else. Yeah, yeah. Just drop that. That was really bad. I'm live too. Why are you? Why are you a Christian? Uh, because the Lord saved me. Even though the, you know, I've got this whole thing going Do on. Do you know the unforgivable sin you just committed? <laughs> it's not even real. I think that's it. Awesome. Okay, okay so it's good to be here. Let's yeah, it's dive good to be in. Here. Let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, I have a question that I want to ask you. Ask me the though. question. Um, so I have I have two things that I can tell you about and talk to you about up front, and I'm going to let you guys choose. You let me choose. Choose yeah. my own adventure time on yep. Salty Dogs Podcast. So you can hear about my most recent um, parenting revelation that I've had. Okay. Or you can hear about a scandalous book that I received in the mail today. I could go to any church and, on a Sunday and, and hear read. about a child parent revelation. So let's hear about your scandalous book. You want to hear about Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So do you agree, Brad? Brad's here. Welcome, Brad. Hey. Yeah. He's there. What's up, Brad? Uh, he, yeah. He's going to kind of be in the background for a little while, but yeah. And then we'll he's get here. to him. So you want to hear about the revelation? <laughs> yeah. Thing. Okay. So no, I said no. I can go anywhere to hear that. I want to hear about the book that showed up. Okay. The scandalous. Okay. Perfect. Scandal. So I went out to my mailbox today, and there was a book in there, and this book, uh, I can't, I can't believe it was about. Basically, it was a book about the end times, um, and so it probably was. I don't even know. Maybe it was like sixty pages, and I have I have the name written down um, here. And at first, I thought that um, somebody that I know maybe dropped it in my mailbox for you know for me to read it. Um, but then I flipped it on the back, and it said current resident. You know, like the address it right. was it was addressed to but, the current resident. But how hilarious would it be? If like you had Christian friends that disagreed with your theologies and doctrines and you just went and like mailbox bombed them with a <laughs> with a book that was like against their theologies That's, or trying to correct their heresies. That would be really good. That'd be, I actually plan on, on reading it. I've read a couple chapters of it so far. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways. The book is called it's it's called National Sunday Law. Uh forces unite amidst um uh, something crisis. I don't. I have the word messed up. Okay. But anyways, it it is all about this person's interpretation of what is going to happen in the end times. End times, and about how America is a great, great, great nation, almost borderline idolatrous of how highly they speak of okay. America. Christ- anyways, Christian nationalism. Right. It's a so, thing. so it was just so, so, so interesting. So I'm. I don't even want to get into a conversation about thoughts about revelation in 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 revelation theology there's a word for that what's that called in times theology no isn't there like another fancy word for it eschatology 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 Eschatology. i said it first i don't i don't want to i don't want to get into that um but i i had a couple thoughts i i i got a couple chapters in i read to the back they reveal who the beast is by the way so i'll leave you a little cliffhanger there um so at the Hillary end, of, at the end of the book, there's a page that has this basically like tiers that you can get into to pay for people to get books. Like you can pay five dollars per copy for three copies, and there's like price points. If you do a thousand books, the books go down to fifty cents. So 
at the lowest point, you could be a savior to a thousand people potentially for as little as fifty cents or five hundred dollars total, or you can pay fifteen dollars for a five. You know, like are you getting paid for this infomercial <laughs> listen, on the Salty Dogs podcast? So, I, I just started to think about the intentions behind this. Like, why would somebody mail this out? And I came down to two possibilities. A, a best case scenario is that there is somebody out there um, that cares deeply about the eternal, I guess, being like where people are going to spend eternity. And so they've decided to write this book and then have people fund it for it to go out into mailboxes and all this kinds of stuff. So in a best case scenario, people care and want people to know Jesus. Best case scenario. Okay. The worst side of that best case scenario is that it's packaged in fear and that uh, yeah. that's the delivery. Like, what is their hope? My hope <laughs> is in the best case scenario that someone would read this, be terrified that they're going to be eternally separated from God, tormented forever, tossed into the lake of fire, and then that they will give their life to Jesus that way because they read this and I've introduced them to this truth. Mm-hmm. What a great way to start a relationship with the most loving being, I guess most creator, people would say creator, yeah, God, creator, Yahweh, right? Yahweh, Yeshua. Yes. Like he who saves and, and the interesting thing is, is that no one would ever encourage anyone in a human relationship to start a relationship out of fear ever, ever. No one would ever say, yeah. you know, if you're talking to a guy or a girl and they say that the person that they're talking to uses fear to get yeah. them to do things or to profess their love, no one would ever say, that's a great relationship. Yeah. Go ahead. You know and why I dated her and fell in love with her? She scared the she crap sca- out of me. I was terrified. Oh my gosh. Terrified. Okay. I feared for my life. So that's the best case scenario. Okay. The worst case scenario is that somebody actually saw a really good end to, to leverage fear, to make lots of money off of people, um, selling, you know, give, sowing their seed into the kingdom. Well, think about how get, much they spent to print and then mail those things. Well, but I just thought about the $5 markup. Like there's a clear incentive to go ahead and just do 100 books for, you know, the 70 yeah. cents. I should have chose total. the child of revelation five. story. Right. <laughs> I want to go back. Can I do over? Mulligan. I'll share, I'll Mulligan. share both. But what do you, what do you think about that? Man, I, I think that that's an entire episode Gosh. Of, of talking about fear-based evangelism. Man. And, and here's the crazy thing is I got a podcast recommendation for you. There's a podcast called You Have Permission by a brilliant man named Dan Koch. And Dan does an amazing job of taking very controversial topics and talking about them in a way where he's very informed. And if he's not extremely informed on the topic, he has guests, <clears throat> topic he has guests that are. Right. He just did a four-part series on... Um, in, what did he call it? In times anxiety, basically. Oh yeah, I saw that. And it was very well done. And he interviewed twenty-ish people where he had them share these stories. My mom actually listened to it, and me and my mom had a conversation about it, and she agreed. Like, you know, I saw this movie or heard this these songs when I was younger, and they, you know, they came out in the seventies or whatever. And I heard this. She talked about a movie that she saw, and they referenced this movie, and how. All her life as a child, she was afraid to leave Nana, your mom's mm-hmm. side, and be away because she thought Jesus was going to come back and she was going to miss <laughs> the rapture. It's wow, just crazy, 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 crazy yeah. stuff, man. So in times, in times, anxiety is a real thing. If you have found yourself <laughs> being extremely afraid of that, I'd highly recommend you go listen to that podcast. Yeah. Awesome. So <laughs> good story, bro. Dude, cool story, bro. It's 
it's blows no, my mind. That, that's fun stuff. We could talk about it another yeah, time. Yeah, right. I know. So speaking of books showing up in your mailbox. Yeah. Oh, how about that segue? Boom. Salty Dogs Book Club, Patreon.com. I just feel like you don't want to hear Slash Salty Dogs Podcast. And we have a new book club that we're starting. And so for the book club tier, it's 25 bucks a month. And we're going to be reading a book. We'll mail that book out at the very beginning of the month. And then we'll take two or three weeks to read it. And then we'll do a Zoom call at the end of the month to actually discuss that book. And so we actually have our first book that's going to happen. Oh, by the way, the book club, the first book will be mailed out at the beginning of March. So you've got a couple of weeks to actually jump on. Right. We do have some book club members. Whoop, whoop. Yep, yep. So there's only 12 spots mm-hmm. total. And so, um, you know, eight, nine, 10 left, something like that. Yeah, so if you're interested, go ahead and jump on in, hit us up. The yeah, book, tell them the book. The book that we're going to be reading is called Jesus Outside the Lines, A Way Forward for Those Who Are Tired of Taking Sides by Scott Sauls. Yeah. And uh, and Brad actually said that he read the book, thought it was a pretty good book, said it was challenging. How many yeah. stars did you give it on Amazon? Um, You know, I didn't review it, but I probably need to go back and do that now. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Sweet deal. So I think that's about the only announcement we have. Yeah. Brad, we were very announcement heavy last time. We yeah, don't want to do that. We're trying to time. just dive into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This time we were banter heavy just because of you. I chose the wrong story. The other story was we would have gone too deep way too quickly. <clears throat> you think so? Yep. You can't ever do that. It was very, Not, it was good. I think people would actually can, maybe enjoy us getting way. deep right up front. What would you do if you got that book in the mail? I'd probably throw it away. I'd flip through it and I'd probably get upset. Then I'd write a blog about it and I would text you and we'd talk about it. Right. And then I'd bring it up on the podcast and we'd be in the same position. And that's what so I just did. And I'm just exactly. And I'm just, we're the same. Me. We're the same person. <laughs> we're both bald with beards and we could stand to lose a couple of pounds. So that's me more so at. than you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And dude, we have Brad here. Dude, so check it out. We've been doing some really cool stuff with connecting with other podcasters, uh, doing it through a Facebook group and mm-hmm. just being able to network and see some cool things happen. We just featured um, on our feed a an episode from the Kingdom Bringer podcast with Darren Eubanks. But uh, in addition to Darren, we've also been uh, hanging out and talking with Brad Bates, and he's with the Angry Christian podcast. And you can find out more about his show and what he does over at eagerfortruth.com. But uh, man, I reached out to him. I read one of his blogs. He wrote an article in response to an article that had been floating <laughs> around and getting shared. He had to get his thoughts down on paper. He did it very, very well. I have to tell you, Brad, you've done a really good job at addressing some of the issues that we've possibly even talked about on the podcast in the past, but have done so with a, a chip on our shoulder, with a tone in our voice that's less than Jesus-y. And uh, I've just, through your podcast and through your blogs, I've seen you approach some things in a very different way. And so the the title, Angry Christian Podcast, would make people think that you're really pissed off as a Christian. Um, but there's kind of a spin to that, a twist to that. So yeah. do me, uh, first things first, tell us a little bit about who you are and then a little bit about the Anger Christian Podcast. Yeah, so um, I'm based here out of the Charleston, South Carolina area. Father of four, wife to one amazing and beautiful wife who I'm assuming is watching, and that's the only reason I'm calling out to her. Hey, sweetheart. Um, nice. You oh. see, that? see, you should learn. Oh. I see what um, you're doing there, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this no. is our Valentine's Day episode or something. Yeah, hey, that was last week. Um, but... uh. Yeah, the Angry Christian Podcast. I do have to like caveat it all the time when I'm talking to people about. They're like, "Hey, you do a podcast? What's it called?" And I'm like, "It's." Uh, let me just say, it's called Angry Christian, but don't think that that's what we're about. 
right? And we did title it that way for a reason because we thought, you know, got to give the preface. Has anybody right. ever like listened to your show and then reviewed it with like a one star and they're like, "You're not mad at all." Uh, no, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> False advertising. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to have people doing it just for fun. That'll be a, Well, don't give them one stars. Give them five stars. Five and then stars. Maybe, and then maybe say funny stuff in the in, in the yeah, review. So, I'm anyways, totally open to that. Continue. But yeah, so um, the the entire concept behind the podcast was that I have been somebody who went down, if I would consider, I would consider a dangerous path of, into anger, right? A lot of it rooted in uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, church hurt, some of it um, in family uh, issues that have taken place over the last several years, and, and just a whole storm of things came together, and, and in a uh, good human way, I responded in anger um, rather than in a good Christian way. Um, so, uh, right. yeah, it's so easy to do. The podcast, though, as I've, I've come to terms with those things in my life, was birthed out of the idea that, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of being angry all the time. I'm tired of people telling me I'm angry all the time. Um, oh, <laughs> that's never happened to us. That sounds like ever. our lives, man. Yeah. Um, kindred spirits. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to really challenge myself. How can I be a better Christian? How can I be more compassionate? How can I approach sensitive subjects, you know, in a way that isn't pushing people away, but is it in a compassionate way? Yes. engaging in those things. And and so that's what our podcast is all about. I reached out to my five angriest friends and um, said, hey, you know, guys, you could be better. You should join me. And uh, no, that's not really how it went. Um, now, I reached out to them because each of them has a different part of my life involved with them. So like one of the guys, uh, Michael, we call him Michael the Wise. He's the oldest of the... Um, Oh, like Gandalf the White? Yeah. That quite nice. the honor. He is. Chris, he's the only cool one that has a like title that. too. So um Hold on. I'm gonna have Christopher name me right here on the podcast. Jason <laughs> the What. Brad, you can continue. Oh, Dang it. You can continue. Okay, by the end it. of this podcast, you've got to figure it out. Oh, yeah. Now I'm not gonna listen to him. I'm just gonna be <laughs> so much pressure. So Michael Michael is one that I've known for twenty years almost. We went to college together. We've been through a heck of a lot. Um he's seen me in my life and my best and my worst. And so he was somebody I wanted to bring on. Jonathan uh, is a guy who actually started out when I was a youth pastor. He was in my youth group as one of my kids, uh, my youth kids. And then um, he ended up living with us for a year before he got married. Um, and so he saw some sides of me that probably others don't have that privy to um, right. outside nice. of my wife. And, um, and then uh, let's see. Brian, he's a guy that I actually have not physically met Brian. He's a host of ours, uh, but he lives in Indiana. And uh, somehow, I think we came across paths uh, years ago on like a like a Facebook group page or something like that. And somehow... Craig, Craigslist ad, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. I was like a white male seeking, seeking uh, black yep. male friend because he, he's oh our token gosh. black guy. <laughs> right, Brian? And we need one of those. You do. Uh, no, he, he's, him? One. <laughs> he's from uh, originally he's from Louisiana, and so he just brings a different kind of perspective, um, yeah, to a lot of things. And um, and all your guys, they contribute to your blog too, right? They do, they do. Except for Jonathan, he I want him to, but he hasn't yet. So I'm, I've been encouraging. Come on, Jonathan, him. step it up, dude. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, Get on it. So real quick, tell me a little bit about what you guys are talking about on the podcast. 
Yeah, so uh, our first, we're actually into our second season. So we started in September of last year. Um, our first couple episodes were like, uh, the first one was displaced and uh, just being talking or talking about being displaced by various um, uh, traumatic events in life. Uh, the next one was the place of anger uh, and just trying to get our minds around, is there a place and a time to be angry as a Christian? Um, yeah. That was a fun topic. Um, after that, we tackled uh, two topics. One was don't bite the sheep, or sorry, don't bite the shepherd, and one was don't beat the sheep. Right. Uh, um, yeah. So, Chris is laughing. I'm, I'm laughing Tell because, why. because when we, uh, when, well, the Salty Dogs podcast, when we started, there were three angry individuals, me, Jason, and Casey, and we were also just very angry at the world. But one of the <laughs> names that I threw out um, was Sheep Beaters, the Sheep Beaters <laughs> podcast. It was not, it was not, Politically correct. We just, yeah, we just wanted to lean into all the people who drove us crazy. Right. In the industry, yeah. The sheep beaters. And, yeah. and I, I based that off of, have you seen the video where there's a shepherd trying to walk the sheep across the road and there's a car with like a dash cam and basically one of the sheep completely turns on the shepherd and headbutts him to the ground and then it just starts attacking him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to watch this. That's it's classic. classic. Just go look up like a uh, shepherd attack by sheep and I'll um, look it up later. <laughs> it's totally worth it. Um, so yeah, we, we started talking about those things. We've talked about just kind of, you guys are probably familiar with the, the response that came out of the whole John MacArthur, Beth Moore issue. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, so you're about, the one recording those little snippets that are like four or five minutes long. Yeah. Was that you doing those? I enjoyed those man. Big time. There's some, just what the, I call my little shorts. Your shorts, nice. yes, Brad shorts. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's good stuff. So, um, real quick, yeah. Before we dive into the meat, because we always like to take a long time to get there, tell me how you broke Reddit today. You how broke I, Reddit? I broke Reddit. Uh, Please tell me it involves a mega church pastor. No, I wish. No, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I actually posted two things to Reddit that apparently broke it. Um. It didn't really break it, but I did get a gold award. I don't know if you guys have ever gotten a gold award. No. Um, I got a gold award, which invited me to a special place called the Reddit Lounge. That's impressive. I know. I don't even know how that happened. But um, <laughs> So one of the posts was I said, uh, I, I posted something about the dangers of apologetics and how um, there is a danger within the realm of apologetics of being led into arrogance, basically, and thinking that, yeah. You're right. Yep. Man, and then, that's a whole podcast topic, yeah. episode topic there. Yeah, that's a really good one, I think. Um, and then so the next, posted that, yeah. <laughs> the second one was uh, I said that atheists were valued and um, loved and treasured and that we Christians should not uh, call them trash because I was told by somebody on my apologetics post, no less, um, by a Christian, sorry, Christian, Yep. Quote, uh, that an atheist that atheists were trash, and I was like, "I'm sorry, say what?" And so I had Yikes. to respond to that, and I called him out straight up on Reddit, and he even jumped on that thread. He was like, "I'm the one who said that, and I think that's true." And I was like, "You're an idiot, dude." And uh, so, so you yeah. had how many comments by the end of the day? Last uh, time you checked, last time I checked, I had 500 upvotes and wow, like three or four hundred comments. That's yeah. nuts, man. So yeah. yeah, they're still going. I would just I would just be happy if I got like one upvote on something I said. That's the first time that's ever happened <laughs> that's to me. So I nuts, clearly man. hit a, a nerve. You're making it you're making it big time. Making bro. waves. Woo Yep. Yeah. Well, you just gotta be uh 
controversial against some of that right and wrong Christian <laughs> Christian whatever craziness that goes on. Hey, can I make a uh, um what what do they call it a preface before we dive sure. into this? Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about church hurt. And I'm sure Brad's going to dive into a lot of his story and kind of sharing some of the church hurt that he's experienced and, and things like that. And if anyone's a regular listener, they've heard you and I address church hurt that we have in our lives. And so I just want to preface this conversation by saying, if you are someone who thinks that we are beating a dead horse or something like that, or or you you know, maybe even would tend to think something like, ah, just, just get over it. Like just move forward. God has bigger, better things for you. Just move forward. You're living in the past, blah, blah, blah. Like I I want to just let you know that if you are someone that tends to feel that way, I want to challenge you to be a little open-minded and realize that just because you haven't had an experience like that, doesn't mean that other people haven't, haven't had them. I'm upvoting your comment. Thank you. Brad, would you like to second upvote his comment? Yes. I, I will upvote Oh, that. wait. I'll Maybe double upvote it. Yeah. Oh, oh I didn't even know that was a thing. Bro. It's not, but it is now. <laughs> it is now. You're about to be more famous than Brad. <laughs> so, yes. And some of that comes from conversations that I've had with some with some friends in the past sure. to where, you know, it's it's not that we it's not that everybody has the same experiences as us. And I think that that's what people think that we're saying, that the system is 100% broken and that we just need to do away with it. I don't think that's you, me, or Brad want church to go away. I don't think that that's what any of us want. But what we do want is people to acknowledge that there is hurt that is exists and happens every day um, by well-meaning people and ill-willed people yeah. and that it does exist. And just because you haven't experienced it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean doesn't that, it, that it's not happening. Right. So That's I good. just want to preface that. And we're not just trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right. but we do want to step into a conversation that would hopefully shed some light on a topic right. that is, I I've, mean, I think rampant. Right. So yeah. we've said this before, and I think I talked about maybe doing an episode, but they'll say, well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I'm like, well, let's have a conversation about the bathwater that does need to be thrown out and let's keep the baby. So let's de- let's decide what the baby is and what the bathwater is. And so anyways, Brad, we want to give it over to you, man. We're super yes. grateful that you're here today. Yeah. I'm so glad the Lord has connected us through social media. It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> this is the good edge that brought us together to <laughs> be sure. here today to talk about this. And so um, definitely don't want to make light of your experiences, but I know you're kind of on the other side of them now. And so we just kind of want to glean and learn whatever we can from some of your story. So um, just kind of take us back and yeah. tell, us, tell us whatever you want to tell us about uh, this this journey you've been on. Sure. So um, let's go back to day one when I was born. Um, no, there was I, a bright light. <laughs> I, all I know is it was dark and there was this tunnel and this light. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I uh, I actually was born into a pastor's home. So my father was a pastor. Um he is not the old the PK life, eh? PK to the to the extreme. If anybody wants to know what it's like, it's kind of like being a military brat. Um, you get to move around a lot, and uh, everybody looks at you and says, "They must be a good, outstanding child," because AKA their dad is the pastor or whatever. But grew up in the pastor's house. Um, my grandfather a pa- was a pastor. My both of my uncles on that side of the family are pastors still. Um, and so to say that it's in the blood, I guess you could say, um, there is an aspect of that. My brother, uh, is a pastor. He's a church planner. Um, 
So I guess it was only a natural fit that at one point in my life, I was probably going to be faced with the same uh, yeah. decision. Um, though uh, I ran from it, I'll be honest, for a while. But um, I, I, I recall, you know, as most kids, we don't pay attention very much to uh, what happens, you know, at church from probably being born until I was in high school, I didn't really care, right? I didn't pay attention. I got saved at seven. I did the whole walk down, say the magic prayer, and that was that on a Wednesday night. And um, I can even remember the guy's name. His name was Arnold Moon. He was the uh, revival preacher in a Southern Baptist church in West Virginia. And um, How about that? Yeah. So got saved. Um, didn't really pay attention to it, but I went. I, I knew that I was getting bored with church, I guess you could say. And when I got to what high age school, was that? Do I? As a teenager, bored with church. Yeah, as a teenager, I was getting, I was getting bored with church. So, um, somewhere around my junior year, I started kind of doing the typical teenage rebellion, you know, and getting into the things that I'd been warned about in church not to get involved into, and um, dancing. You know, Dancing was definitely not one of them. Um, <laughs> one of the things you shouldn't do. No, actually, I did do that. I went to a country two-step bar up in Greenville, oh, South no. Carolina. Heck yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, and they're teenagers to... with that bumping and grinding. That's right. Hooting. Bu- bust out some footloose here in a minute. But, um, <laughs> you know, it started getting really heavy into the party life. And um, it lasted probably from the time I was 17 to... 19 years old and I just remember one night I I just kind of had my god smack moment right I was in the middle mm-hmm. of really bad decisions and um I just sudden conviction fell on me I was like man I have really I have really gone down the toilet in a very short period of time and the conviction I was completely wasted out of my mind but I've never sobered up faster than that particular night I uh, got in my car and I actually drove back home. We lived in the parsonage next to our church, which is, if you've ever been a preacher's kid and lived in a parsonage, is always fun um, to be the guy never. that lives. Not yeah. me, but yeah. No, yeah, not me. No, it's, it's a blast. So you um, never had an excuse to not be at the church functions? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, if I could literally walk out my bedroom door and walk into the church, pretty much. Um, yeah. But uh, yikes. Yeah, that night I drove back to the church. It was probably 2 in the morning. It was a Saturday night. I was supposed to be in church the next day. And um, I just remember just feeling terrified. And I just got down on my knees in the middle of the parking lot at 2 in the morning, pitch black, staring up at the steeple and praying to God that he would not kill me. Um, wow. That, that was where I'd gotten to. I was just like, please, Lord, don't kill me. And... I, I honestly, honest to God, I felt him whisper into my ear, get up, man. I've heard you and it's going to be good. And, and I, at that moment, I just felt a sense of peace. I went back to my house, um, completely sobered up and fell asleep, woke up the next day, went to church, did the normal stuff. And, uh, but yep. I began to say, you know what? I need to probably get away from this uh, this life and friends, circle of friends that I had. And so I came to Charleston, South Carolina, one of the party cities of South Carolina. Uh, that made perfect sense. Um, but I ended up at a Baptist college, funny. Charleston Southern University, and nice. um, <laughs> got linked up with Campus Crusade for Christ uh, somehow. 
Um, never led worship, never been in ministry. In fact, up to this point, people would be like, hey, you, you look so much like your dad. I bet you're going to grow up to be just like a, a pastor, or just like him. And I'd be like, yeah, no, that's not happening. And um, it's just not going to happen. And I ran and ran and ran from it. And when I was 19 there at CSU, about halfway through my first semester, uh, I, I did, I felt like, you know what? Maybe ministry is the thing for me, and uh, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in youth ministry. Um, so I, I started uh, into um, music ministry, actually, first at through Campus Crusade, and then I would do some music at youth groups and whatnot. Um, and how then, old were you at this time? Uh, about 20, uh, 19 or 20 at this oh, point. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So just now getting started into some some sort of ministry. Yeah. Background, yeah. I remember going home. This is where I think I began to kind of wake up. I hadn't really gotten involved into full-on church ministry yet. I was probably for not for another year at this point. But I went home, and I remember it was a Sunday night, and they were having a business meeting. And I'm sitting there, and we had just built, or that church, my dad and the, and the church there had built a gymnasium next to the church probably a few years before that. And then he was trying to push for getting like a playground built on the backside because we had a lot of people in the community that were coming throughout the week. And he was just trying to kind of create a place that little kids could go play while their parents were inside the gym or doing things like that. Yeah. And I, I just remember this guy in the choir standing up and basically, uh, shouting down my father and telling him that he was leading the church astray and that, um, Oh my gosh. I don't even know what all was said. I just remember my blood boiling at that point. Right. uh, And thinking, I sure hope this isn't what being in the ministry is like. Um, if this is, I mean, this is in front of the church. Like there were guests, there, visitors, you know, it's like, Oh, awesome. I'm glad we're showing this side Just in the side middle of, of service, some guy stands up and just starts yelling at your dad about how he's doing everything wrong well, in his yeah, ministry. It was a, yeah, it was a business meeting. And so they oh, business come, meeting. That's yeah, right, it was yeah. a business meeting. And they come to this part about you know the, the playground. And he apparently didn't like it. He didn't like it. And he made a point to make sure that everybody in the church knew he didn't like it and that he didn't like my dad. Jeez. So is this kind of your first taste of like kind of bad taste in your mouth about... Ministry. Potential ministry, yeah. Yeah, that would definitely be my first real experience. And I was, so, you know, I saw that and I started kind of getting mad and and I associated the behavior with the age of the man too. Oh, yeah. Older so I, generation? Yeah, so I was like, he must be an old, he's an older guy, so it must be Was that. he a deacon? I bet he was a deacon. He was, he was a deacon. Those freaking um, deacons, man. Bro, freaking deacons. Deacon mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that his, his son actually was a deacon as well. But his son took him aside. And a family up, of deacons. Yeah, but his his son was not on board, and his son looked at him, and he said, Dad, if you continue this way, God is going to kill you. Oh, man. Well, that yeah. boy, need, I'm, I hope he stayed a deacon. Uh, he did stay a deacon, and his dad died six months later. Um, no way. Yeah. Um, so, Gosh. <laughs> kind of Yikes. a whoa he, moment. He Ananiased him. Yeah. So it's wild. That's yeah, wild, dang, son. Man. I was just like, man, I, God must take this stuff kind of serious. And right, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, graduated college. I before I or before I graduated college, I actually started at an Episcopal church. I grew up Southern Baptist, so I started at an Episcopal church, which I thought was a natural progression. Um, <laughs> but it was um, not a normal Episcopal church. We actually met in a movie theater, and I was the youth pastor and worship leader. 
uh, was there for a couple of years. Honestly, that was one of the better churches I had been a part of. I didn't really experience um, anything that I would consider um, typical church hurt in that church. The pastors were great. Uh, the people were great. Some of some of the best older folks that I've ever encountered in my life were in that church. I had a 90-something-year-old lady who came up to me, and I used to get mad at her because I would see her put cotton balls in her ears when we would start the music. And, <laughs> and I'd be funny. like, why is she doing this? And I never said anything, but she came up one day and she said, Brad, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I, I know you probably see me put these cotton balls in my ears, and you're probably wondering why I do that and sit on the front row. Um, and I was like, yeah, it, it has crossed my mind. And uh, she goes, well, th- th- to be honest, uh, the music is not my favorite, um, and the sound volume is certainly not to my liking. But she said, I look around this room, and I see the teenagers, and I see the college kids, and I see the young families here, and I see them worshiping, and those things far outweigh my preferences. <clears throat> And so she said, I put the cotton balls in my ears because I would rather put cotton balls in my ears than to tell them uh, that they're not welcome here. Wow. And, and so that was something that really stuck with me. Through. Shout out. She's a real OG, man. She was, man. And uh, she was probably 92 back then, and that was uh, 15 years ago. So I doubt she's still around. But And now she's uh, 117. Nice. I'd, it'd be impressive. Happy um, story. <laughs> So I moved from there to, uh, the reason I left that church was I went into full-time youth ministry at my first church. It was, of all things, a first Baptist church. And uh, So I always wondered <laughs> why first Baptist churches didn't name themselves last Baptist church because Ooh. of the whole first is the last and last is the first in the right. kingdom situation. Yeah, these are so, You should write a letter. So if you ever find a last Baptist church... They're Go the, there because the you know ones. they're truly humble. They got they're, it. Actually, there is a second Baptist church, and they're definitely more humble. And then that kind of goes along with the whole theology of if you're, if not, you're not first, first or last. last. Yeah. yeah, it's good yeah. theology. That is yeah. good theology. I yeah, like that's that. solid stuff right there. <laughs> I think <laughs> Wayne Grudem said that. So. I think so. Definitely. Uh, He's first a big John Piper. One of those guys dropped it. <laughs> got to be. So, yeah, so I went to this first Baptist church. I was only there for eight months, so if that gives you any indication as my time there. Um, Their potluck sucked. You had to get out of there. That was it. No, it was actually a large church. It was a very small country little town. Uh, I think our entire county had 3,500 people in it. Um, But the church had like 500 people. Um, And my youth group had 60. I had like 60 kids in my youth group. Um, But uh, I had several experiences within a short period of time there with, uh, with parents who hated me because I dared to have some standards. And um, then I had an older lady who got mad at me because I wore flip-flops with my khakis and button-up shirt. And um, she she didn't confront me about it. What she did was is she waited till Easter when I showed up to play in the orchestra in a suit and tie. And she, she came over and passive-aggressively complimented me. Um, she said... <laughs> My Brad, you you look really nice today, and I said I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. She could have left it there. Um, mm-hmm. She chose not to. She goes on to say, "I mean, Brad, you really look like you could actually worship Jesus now." Yikes! Oh, and I went. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? Could? And she said, "Well, you know, I mean," and, and I was like, "You just said that." the way I dress has something to do with my ability to worship Jesus. And she was just like, that's not what I said. I was like, no, that's exactly what you said. And that's what she said. Again, this was another person of the older generation. So here's my like second 
major conflict with somebody within the church. And I'm going, whoa, there's something going on here. It must be these old people are crazy. And, um, you know, I let her have it in front of the youth group, uh, which resulted in the next Sunday, her entire Sunday school class uh, voting me out. They they didn't actually put wow. it to the church, but they did take a roll call to see who who actually wanted me there, and apparently none of them did. Really? Um, Their yeah. Sunday school class? Yeah. So they uh, just set up their own vote, like, hey, how many of you here don't like that Brad boy? Yeah, pretty much. You and know, so, the one with the flippy floppies. Oh I had to gosh. go, yeah, the flippy floppy guy. Old, peop- old people call them thongs. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. their worship leader coming to church in thongs. I love your old person, like, country accent. Yeah. It's really good. I'm really not even changing my voice at all. <laughs> You're kind of doing it, though, a little bit. Yeah. No, it's, Sorry, it's a Brad. good, it's a good like impression. It. So, so up until this point, like, you've had a couple of ministry experiences, but yeah. each time you're kind of making a move, you're still kind of at odds with this older generation, with yeah. their opinions and their preferences and yeah. those kinds of things. And yeah. I mean, obviously, like, in a business meeting, seeing somebody, like, yell at your father, right. that's, that's pretty bad yeah. stuff. But even just the little things, kind of like the, the nitpicky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. along the way that that stuff starts to wear on you a little bit oh yeah because i'm sitting here looking around and i'm like you know you're 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 worried about my sandals more so than the teenagers that you know are in this church or the anybody in this church in general um you're more concerned about the flat fact that i'm wearing flip-flops on a sunday and that that has somehow violated something and i just couldn't reconcile that in my head i just i started getting really frustrated with the fact that people were elevating their preferences to such a, a high level. And, yeah. uh, and time after time, I kept running into this. And, and so after eight months, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm done at this church. Um, I had another run in with a pastor who basically told me I wasn't good with people. So um, that, that pastor at that church said I was not good with people. Then he accused me of stealing um, Communion from, wafers. From, yeah. No, he accused me of stealing from the church budget, even though it was money oh, that I, came out of my paycheck that he had advised me to set aside for ministry expenses. Uh, but then he accused me of stealing it. And I was like, wow, how okay. can I steal from my own paycheck? But okay. Um, yeah. And Robbing. Yeah. Stealing from Brad to pay Brad. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was so... He, to say the least, he's he's not there anymore. Uh, he's not in the ministry at all uh, there anymore. So, um, so because another, he caught caught stealing money. <laughs> I don't know the... what happened. Uh, I didn't really care after I left. I was like, I'm I'm done with this place. Right. So um, eight months there, you're out. Out. Uh, went back to school for about a semester and a half, and then my wife got pregnant. Um, so I decided, no, I, I guess I need to go back because I had taken off full-time work was working a part-time job and then she got pregnant and I thought you know I, I probably need to uh, consider going back to work to support my new child that's coming yeah uh, and so I took a job in a church that I didn't want to do um, I took a job in a, in a church that I knew was everything opposite of what I valued and oh man um, and I immediately while I was when we moved up there it was like within the first three months I knew I screwed up and I was like, I knew I shouldn't have taken it, but I felt desperate and I, I needed work. And, um, you know, so I had taken, taken this job and while what I was there, do I, what were you doing for the church? What was the I job? was initially just the worship leader and I was brought there to do the, uh, uh, admirable task of transitioning the church from a traditional worship service to contemporary, um, you know, from a choir yeah. to a yeah. praise so like team. church revitalization. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was brought there to to help make that transition. Uh, somewhere between there and my the end of my second year there, I became the youth minister as well. Um, but oh yeah, they like to do that, don't they? They do. They're like, hey, you know, they didn't pay me anymore. I still got the same pay, but right. uh, that never changed. And so within the first three months, I introduced what I called a a worship ministry covenant, um, which in the Baptist church is a no no. And oh. Yeah, never really? introduced the term covenant um, or contract or anything like that, unless you're talking about the pastor to the church, and, and that's different. But um, um, hmm. I wanted to kind of just create a set of standards for the worship ministry that said, hey, and it wasn't crazy. I got the pastor's approval. I got the senior, or sorry, the uh, chairman of the deacon's approval on the document, which, by the way, the chairman of the deacons was in my choir. Um and then I introduced it to the choir, and I said, hey, you know, if I want you to read through this, sign it, if you agree with it, you know, if you don't agree with it and you don't want to sign it, well, then you're not in line with our values, so um, I will help, I'll be more than happy to help you find another ministry in this church that um, might be a better fit. Um, that, apparently... Man, you can't be swinging, man. Yeah. Those old yeah. people, that they probably got a, had a heart attack with that. They did, and I uh, in one week I went from something like thirty or forty people in the choir to fifteen, um, including the chairman of the deacons who approved the document. Um, oh, so he just yeah. kind of he just kind of ex- accepted the terms of of a, he, the user use yeah. without he checked well, the box and he, he didn't checked read the it. box and didn't he scrolled read. all the way down. Yeah, he was like, oh wait, he actually meant this, and um, so he uh, he didn't sign it and he quit, and so that was fun. Um, one of the older ladies in the choir, so here we're back to this older generation conflict with Brad Bates, and one of the older ladies took me into the pastor's office the next week, and she had taken the contract and taken a red marker um, and just kind of bled all over it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she sat me and the pastor down, and she said, do you see this? Can can you believe that he would make a sign it? And he said, I've seen it, I read it, and I approved it. What part of it do you have a problem with? And she was just like, well... well he goes, is it the part where it says don't gossip, or is it the part that says, oh, dang. You, you know, he just starts like, naming her sins? Yeah, the, he, I mean, he, I put that in there. I was like, he, don't he gossip. He reached down into the sand and started writing something, and right. she like got up yeah, and walked Yeah, she out. started stuttering, <laughs> and he goes, look, oh, no. he goes, get down to it. He goes, what's your problem, really? And she turned around, pointed at me, and she goes, my problem is I'm not going to take instruction from some 25-year-old kid. I'm oh. 60 years old and have been in the church my whole life, and you, I'll be doggone if I'm going to take, you know, correction from some 25-year-old kid. Oh, boy. So I was like, hmm. <sighs> yeah. And, and uh, What do my you pa- say to that in that moment? You just let the spirit rise up and shut your mouth? <laughs> I sat quietly. My All pastor, the proverbs come flooding back, like, don't open your mouth. Yeah, don't speak, don't speak. Uh, let, let the fools reveal themselves here. Um, right. No, my pastor responded. He said, ah, he goes, I figured that was your problem. He said, um, he goes, the reality is I hired him to do this job, and if you don't like it, you can quit. And uh, Dang. Shout and, out to pastor for having your back. Oh, yeah, he always had my back my entire two years there, um, and I really appreciated that about him. And But over the course of that two years, we, we ran into... The church, I was accused several times of trying to run off the old people, um, and maybe I was. I don't know, because I think deep down inside of me, there was a bitterness towards older people 
We well, had mentioned this one time where you like fastened a whip and then like flipped a bunch of tables and then the old <laughs> people and you were just like, yeah, and just, I don't know. Yeah. I Maybe was, that probably didn't have anything to do with it though. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> no, I, I was definitely accused of that. I was also accused of trying to split the church up because we in- introduced the idea of doing two services, one traditional, one contemporary, and they didn't like that. And they actually brought us up in front of the church, uh, me and the pastor, and they, um, basically threw a bunch of accusations at us in front of the church with visitors there. Oh, uh, and it got so ugly. Uh, I mean, we had people crying like, oh my God, what's going on? And my pastor, oh, <laughs> uh, God oh, bless him, he stops. He goes, you know what? I see what the problem is. He goes, Speedy, uh, he was the chairman of the deacons. He's like, how about you come up here? Brad and I are going to walk out. You guys are going to vote to keep us here or not. Dang, straight up. And he, he responded, he said, no, I'm not doing that. And he goes, oh, yes, you are. It's clear that you guys don't want us here, so you might as well go ahead and make it official. And, and they were like, uh, uh, no, man, no. That's some, some crazy stuff, man. Oh, yeah. And so, Holy moly. Can I, it's going down. Can I, was this South Carolina? Can I, ter- can North I coin Carolina. the phrase? North Carolina. Can I coin the, the phrase pastor there, balls? That's some <laughs> pastor balls right there, man. Like, Oh, he was. He was a bull in a china shop um, all the time. <laughs> wow. That's a thing. It is yeah, now. Yeah. That describes that, man. Oh, yeah. Don't look and at me like that. Cojones. I mean, <laughs> and, and to some degree, sometimes you have to be. But I feel like when I look back, on, I was like, man, the pastor and I were probably pretty intense, too, as well. You know, Right. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll cross that bridge in a little bit. But um, he, the pastor ended up leaving probably a few months before I did. And <laughs> I, I strictly remember the week after he had left, his last Sunday, Deacons had their official what do we do meeting and they invited me and I was like, Oh guys, you really you really want to invite me to this? And so they went around the table and they're like, guys, what do we do? And they you know, each each of the deacons was like, We should continue this and that and blah 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 and keep doing what the pastor was doing and got around to this other guy, again, another senior adult in the church, and they looked at him and and he said, um, he basically, he, he trashed the pastor. He just went off. He went totally oh, no. bonkers and trashed oh, the man. pastor, trashed his, his ministry, That's said tough. that the last four years have been a nightmare under this pastor and all this other stuff. And I sat there and as he was speaking, I was getting angry and uh, got to the chairman of the deacons. He says, anybody else? I hadn't spoken at this point. He says, anybody else have anything else to say? And I was like, really? You're going to open up that door? Okay. Yeah, I do. And I stood up and I slammed the table right in front of that guy. And I put my finger almost in his nose. And and you said, I'll, boop. I basically, I was like, how dare you speak of the pastor like that one week after he's already left? I was wow. like, and, and I just lit into him. I don't even remember what I said. I just remember I was so angry and I was just, sh- I mean, yelling at him and slamming the table and everybody was just like eyeballs wide looking at me like what just happened and Brad of course broke. The, yeah the next day uh chairman of the deacons was in my office <laughs> and <laughs> he's like uh we need to talk i was like yeah we do and he's like uh that can't happen again i was like yep you're right i said because i'm not coming back to those meetings um if that's what you guys are going to do um he goes well you need to apologize i said i'm not apologizing um everything i said was true and, uh, you know, if they don't like it, then they have a problem dealing with uh, the reality of who they are. And he said, you're right. 
you probably shouldn't come back to the meetings. And I was like, all right. So that was kind of how I finished out my time there. I spent the next couple months um, avoiding people and Gosh. just doing my thing. And are you single or married at this time? I'm married. In fact, I've had one kid at this point. Um, okay. My oldest girl, she was uh, a year and a half, two years old at this point. Right. So, and, yeah. Let me ask you a question. What, in your mind, what keeps you coming back, man? Like, what keeps <laughs> you, I'm serious. Like, you, you know, you've had these, like, that experience is pretty, that's that's pretty bad, you know, like. Yeah, to, I've never been in a shouting match in a church situation. But, but you know, like, to bring you in and then have a meeting and then just, you know, berate this pastor that's not even there and just to do that, like what makes you go like, you know what, I still want to be in ministry and, and do this and truck forward. Like what's the driving force there? I think my driving force now is different from what it was then. Right. Um, but my then, driving, yeah, my driving force then was I wanted to, I was convinced the problem was old people and church people and that I was going to outlive the problem. And, oh, right. Yeah. So that, that was what I had kind of told myself, at least at the time. And it was a, enough to get through. After after that church, I, did, I didn't leave the ministry, actually. I, we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and I went right into a new church um, as soon as we moved here. I didn't move here for the church. I moved here for another job, um, a, a, a secular job. And, can I can I oh. take a stab at a follow up question as well? Yeah, yeah. I I recently. Oh well. So do you feel like you know having all of these experiences at what is this uh, three four churches by yeah. at this at this point? Okay. So having these experiences, do you feel like going right back into ministry again? Do you feel like you almost had the weight of these other experiences lingering over you? Absolutely. You know, after each one, and then how did that affect you? Uh, it just compounded, uh, compounded, honestly, I never dealt with it. Um, and so it, it just continued to build. And that was part of what got me to where I was a couple years ago. Um, because it just compounded, I didn't deal with it. I just let it fester and I would go into these other churches. In fact, the church I went to right after that, I had settled in my mind that I wasn't going to connect with anybody there, that I was only there to make some money um, lead music. And, you know, if they wanted me for anything else outside of Sunday morning, they weren't getting it. They weren't getting a relationship with me. Um, I was just the music guy and that was all I was going to be. So obviously by this point I'd already started really, I guess, becoming calloused. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I think this is just, this is like human condition, right? Like we we can't help but bring all of our experiences and all our relationships into the next relationship. Yeah. So I mean, we do this. Unless we do this in. With. Yeah, unless they're dealt with, or you know, you you get into relationships. Like, let's say you have a girlfriend, and then she's like terrible, and then you break up with her, and then you have another girlfriend, and she sh- shows any sign of acting in any way like the last one. Well, then you're already going to like put her in the same box and think right. that she's that same person. Yeah. And yeah. The truth is like, they're not the same people. Maybe they deal with some of the same problems and some of those things manifest differently, but you, you really start to kind of project your past experiences onto your, into your current experiences. So, oh, absolutely. so you, you talked to, I know there's a little bit more to your story. I don't know if you're going to get into it, but <laughs> you talked a little bit about, you know, you're carrying this stuff with you. Yeah. You're not really dealing with it. You've got this chip on your shoulder. Yeah. You're in this new ministry experience. Yeah. Old um, people suck. You've right. So <laughs> yeah. you've you've yeah. disconnected. Maybe maybe 
uh, start to tell us a little bit about how I think you were getting at it, like kind of realizing like it's not just them, it's me, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. the common denominator yeah. in the situation. How do you start working through some of that stuff? Yeah. So uh, I'll be honest, it didn't, I didn't really start to address it until 2018. Um, so, so what's the time gap between the, jo- the, the last experience that you just told us about? And yeah. So tw- 2009 and 2018. So nine okay. years. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and in that nine years, I was at two different churches. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the second church I was at leading up to 2018, I had been there uh, for about seven years, uh, eight years almost. So I man, had, that's a long time. Yeah, to be at a, a church. Long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially when the the typical youth pastor, and I was the worship leader at this time, but the typical youth pastor roles maybe two years, 18. right? Yeah, I, th- I yeah. thought I heard the last statistic I heard when I was a youth pastor was 18 months. Yeah, oh, really? Something like yeah, that. 18 yeah. to 24 months is is mm-hmm. wow. the typical tenure of a of a youth pastor in a church. And then um, they move on to bigger, better things like church planning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just getting their don't feet you wet dare, ministry. Don't you dare bait me, Jason. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you were at this other one? Yeah, seven, I was at this right. other church for seven years. In that time, I had become involved in what I would, or what I told myself was cultural and political engagement. Um, so I started actually getting involved in politics pretty heavily and cultural engagement, uh, standing up against abortion and, and gay marriage and uh, starting to be vocal about that thing on that kind of stuff on social media. Right. Um, and the job that I had taken when we moved back here to Charleston in 2009, I had been there for almost 10 years up to this point in 2018. And I, up to this point, I just become such an angry Christian. Like it came out in social media. I just, I let people, I, you know, I was the guy who was right all the time. Everybody else was wrong. There's not angry Christians on social media. Let's no, no, I was I was the social media warrior. Have you ever seen the J.P. Sears video, Social Media Warrior? No, we have no. a Facebook group called Social Media Christian Warriors who think you, they're Christians that me and Jason lead. You want to join it? You, <laughs> yes. Um, so no, you, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type this in. Social Media Christian Warriors? No, Social yeah. Media Warrior, and that is J.P. Sears. And are they serious about this? Or this no, it's totally comedy. Like he's a oh, comedian. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, no, it's like... but it's spot on, right? Like <laughs> the okay, way he okay. describes being a social media warrior is this. This uh, he's That's very great. bold as long as he's got a computer in front of him. And oh, that dude's um, hilarious. Yeah. I know yes. that guy. Yeah, he's funny. Okay, good stuff. So that was me, right? I was that. I had become that. I was beating people up in chat rooms. I was. You were pwning them. You were oh, owning them. Yeah, man. I was breaking Reddit. Reddit every day, and yeah. um, eventually, around September, I had uh, posted a, a response to a university here in South Carolina that they had posted a um, uh, this guy who was talking about just the inclusiveness of the of the campus, and then he signed it with his pronouns. He's like, "My personal pronouns are him, her, whatever." And uh, in my snarky way, I responded and I said, "Well, I am so glad that you pointed out your pronouns because it was difficult to tell that you were a man based on your picture and your name." Um, right. That was not nice. No, it was not nice. Uh, they deleted it from the university page. Um, so I, in my anger, was like, "Oh, you're just so mad because I'm a Christian and I took a stand for uh, gender." Uh, the right genders of male and female. Uh, I messaged them privately and I was like, why'd you take my stuff down? Are you scared that somebody's going to expose you for the fraud you guys are and all this stuff? Oh my gosh. 
Um, turns out, I didn't know this. I, I, the company I worked for was a large tech company. Um, turns out they were one of our clients. And Oh, no. Yeah. So they found out where I worked, and they called the CEO of our company. When I say big company, I'm talking like big company. We're talking like the Microsoft of the nonprofit world, like big company. And oh, oh, man. Next thing you know, it wasn't in September. It was in October, Halloween day of all days. Uh, I walk into the office. They HR grabs me and says, we need to, need to come in here. They sit me down and they tell me I'm fired. And oh, they cite gosh. my social media <sighs> comment. And oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so I've, I've heard of this kind of thing happening before. Like people like news reporters and oh, people, yeah. they'll tweet something and then they get fired for it. So like that actually happened to you. Absolutely. Uh, so what do you, what do you have to say real quick to people who are out there just like <laughs> going to town in the comments saying all kinds of stupid crap? Like, yeah, but, but leveraging morality and leverage, leveraging rightness, you know, like. I have to tell you you're wrong because I believe that well, you're wrong based well, off of what I believe. I mean, I just you know, think like, that the truth is like you can't say whatever you want. No, you can't. Um, I, I, I would say sometimes it's just best left unsaid, not because it's not true, um, but because social media honestly is really not the best environment for these types of engagements. Um I can count on right. one finger the amount of times that it's actually worked in my benefit. Um, and I actually had a, a, a gay friend of mine ended up coming to church because of it. Um, but Say that again? I, only one time has, has my social media engagement actually produced something positive, and I had a gay friend of mine who actually ended up coming to church out of it. Yeah. Um, and we're still friends. And yeah. we yeah. were not I then. I heard this story. Yeah, I think I, didn't I heard know this story in one of your last episodes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, getting fired obviously was a bit of a wake up call. Um, Man, and I also just want to say, like, I, I know that shout or I don't know, props <laughs> to you for just being vulnerable and honest. Like, it's not easy to to hop on here and just air out. Like, it's one thing to talk about, you know, the deacon saying this and this and this, but it's a whole other thing for you to share. Like, hey, here's what I did. Here's what I said. Yeah, and I did this. So, I mean, props to you and thanks just for your honesty and vulnerability as yeah. you're sharing this stuff. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it. I'll be honest. I denied it for a long time. In fact, I I just I pushed it off as my company being anti-Christian. I even called lawyers trying to get them to f- file a lawsuit for religious discrimination. Yeah. Um. So I that's what I did for the first couple of months of being fired was telling myself that I was wronged. <laughs> and right. Yeah. Yeah. Not you couldn't even accept it. You were still kind of in that mindset. Yeah. And. But I don't know if it was just during uh, that nine months of employment, God really began to convict me that, you know what, you've got a big mouth, guy, and um, uh-huh. you're kind of angry, <laughs> and you kind of need to deal with this, and don't you see where it got you? It got you no job after being there for almost 10 years. Now your family wow. is without insurance and health care. Now your family was without an income. You just bought a house. Good job pal oh, man. Um, way to put your family in you know at risk here so right. so let me ask you like i mean i so i've i've been through some of this angry christian social media warrior stuff like mm-hmm. 
I've said some really mean things to people on Facebook before and, and I've kind of been there, but you know, I guess all the while I kind of knew I shouldn't be acting that way. Did you ever kind of have that? You need to chill out or did you, did you feel Um, totally justified during that time? Sometimes I felt question. I questioned whether or not I was doing the right things, but the, what kept me kind of doing it was all the pats on the back from pastors and from Christian friends who were like, dude, you're so bold. You're so you're out there. And I was just like, yeah, that's it. I'm just bold and people just can't handle the truth. And yeah, man, but all that, but you look back on that and like the Lord corrected you. Yeah. And, and I don't blame them. I'm not saying they're the ones at fault. I'm just saying that motivated me. It was like, yeah, for sure. I can, I felt like, oh yeah, I've got something to be proud of here. Not ashamed of. (laughs) Yeah. So do you, do you feel like this tied, like how did this tie back to the church hurt that you had experienced? I mean, because you had that, like there's a progression, I, I, I bet, you know, so how did your church hurt affect, you know, the incident that happened with, you know, what you said, and then ultimately you losing your job. Yeah. Did it, I, did affect it at all? I think it was certainly part of it. Um, you know, like I said, that at this time, the church I was involved in, we were going through a lot at the same time. So it was like, um, all this is going on, but at the same time, there's a lot of crap going on in the back, back, back rooms that people didn't know about. Like I had the youth pastor and I were best friends at this church. And like that summer, he left the church and quit talking to me um, mm. for like two years. And oh, man. I felt like, dude, we were best friends. Like when I say best friends, I'm talking like he would call me and say, what's for dinner? Like not asking, yeah. do you guys want to come over? Yeah. Just what's for dinner? And I'd be like, I don't know. Let me talk to my wife. And then next thing you know, we're at each other's houses having dinner without even inviting each other over, you know? And and that was life. We did that like almost every day of the week, five, six days a week, we would have dinner together. Um, And then one day uh, that happened. And then like our church, people were just leaving left and right. I had several people who were blaming me for leaving the church. And I had several people who were um, in leadership who... I had one lady at that church. This is not even an exaggeration. Um, our pastor had taken some time off and went uh, for a year and moved to Indiana before he came back. During that time, they made me the associate pastor of the church, and so I kind of oversaw things while he was gone. When they got back, we had a big like leadership meeting, and I had a lady who was one of the elders' wives. With me standing there, she said... Um, you know, we really appreciate that Brad's been here, but he's not our pastor, never would be. Um, oh, man. And I was like, oh, cool. And what hurt more was that the pastor didn't say anything to that. It was like, he just kind of let it go. And he was like, yeah, 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 you know. And I'm like, hold on. You know, and, and things began to deteriorate between me and him over the last two years of that. So all this is happening right up to the point where I'm getting fired. <laughs> um yeah. So there's a just it's just a whole perfect storm and I and I, maybe this social media lash out is was my angry response to the things going on in the church because I couldn't say it at my church because if I did that would almost assuredly get me fired there too, um, and so I was holding a lot in keeping a lot in, and it would just manifest itself in stupid ways on social media. <laughs> and, yeah, how did so? How do you feel like? 
Where did some of the healthy processing begin, and and what did some of that look like for you? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. The healthy processing began when I finally accepted that I was the problem. And Um, how did you figure that out? Was that just was that revelation from the Lord? Right, like you don't know you're prideful unless someone like reveals to you that you're prideful, right? Like, but then even if someone tells it to you, you're you just yeah, because brush it off. You know, it's like you have to have that realization, like you said. Yeah. No, I agree, because up to that point, I had really just, when people did say things like that, I would just justify it and be like, no, you just don't un- understand me. You're just not as enlightened as me as, I guess, I, you know, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think it was definitely God really just began to, I mean, I was nine months unemployed, and I would go and just drive the back roads kind of in a depressive mode, like, man, what am I doing? Mm, like, I have yeah. nowhere to go. I have no job. I've been applying for crap for weeks with nothing happening. And all I could think was my family needs me to make money and so we can pay for the bills and feed the kids and clothe the kids. And the more I thought on that, the more I started going, I'm here because I did this, Mm, man. And, and I couldn't justify it anymore. I couldn't look at my previous company and say, well, you just hate Christians. No, I was like, uh, no, well, they may, I don't know, but the reality is, is that my big mouth got me here and right. nobody else, nothing else, me. And as I started realizing that, I started looking back over like my old blog posts and my old stuff. And I just started God, going, don't oh, you my, hate that, man? I when do. you can see your tone and stuff. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think I even left a lot of it up there just as a memorial to the idiot I was. Oh, jeez, wow. man, that's tough. I've done. I've gone back and looked at some stuff that I've said before, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, gosh, who was that person? Why was I so? And, and you know, a lot of it's anger too. Yeah. You know, you're talking to two people that also deal with their fair share of anger as yeah. well. Yeah, that, that tend I mean, to be keyboard warriors. Dude, there's <laughs> been times where I've called Christopher and I'm like, bro. I mean, I've I've said it with tears in my eyes. I said, I'm. I'm so mad and I just don't even know why. Yeah. And it's like, and I don't know how to not be this way. And the I Lord's still, done. So- yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I still deal with it myself. You know, it's, it's not like I took a magic pill and I'm suddenly this happy go lucky guy all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wish but that keto solved it all, but they, it doesn't. <laughs> keto solves a lot though. I'll just say it does. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that just that general realization that I was the problem and I, 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 nobody pointed it out. It was just when I had nine months to sit and think about why I was here, um, you kind of, kind of make the connection. And so so not, so not everybody listening who's maybe in the same boat as you are, maybe dealing with anger, hurt or whatever it is from their past. But like, you know, how, what would you say to somebody now who's in it, who's, who maybe won't have that nine month period to really kind of. Yeah. sit around and come to that conclusion. I would say when people criticize you and they say things to you, it may not be 100% true, but there is probably at least an ounce of truth in what they have yes, to say. Yes, that's good. Use really what good. they are saying to really be introspective about yourself, right? If somebody says, you hate old people, right? You're that's like, pretty extreme, and you're grandma. going, dude, I don't, I don't hate, old, hate people. old people, right? Yeah. But if you start thinking about it, and if I started thinking about it, which I did, yeah, I started going, man, I have had a lot of bad experiences with older people, and I dare say that I've really built some walls between me and them. In fact, now I feel like I've got a better relationship with older people than I ever have in my whole life, you know, wow. and in fact, I value and appreciate them far above 
anything I have up to this point when it came to them. Um, in yeah. fact, I, I regret a lot of my attitude. I wish I could go back to my younger self and say, shut up. Just shut mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's, that's pure gold right there. And I just want to reiterate that. Like, Take the criticisms that other people are sending your way and actually weigh them to see if they carry any any weight um, yeah. of, of truth, any ounce of truth concerning yeah. you. And because it's really easy to write that kind of stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the question, the way I put it, as I would say, ask yourself, what if they're right? And then take it yeah. to the Lord and say, God, am you show me. Right. Am, am I yeah. a jerk? You know, am I unkind? Yeah. I wrote a blog post about this. I got called a a liar and a <laughs> heretic, a heretic and a f- sheep beater, sheep biter. No, I was, it, it was said that I was of my father, Satan, and oh. that I, I believed nothing about the scriptures and this, that, and the other. And I got pissed about it. So I started blogging about it and the blog actually turned into like, well, what if they're right? Yeah. You know, what if I am a hypocrite? What? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? I do have some hypocritical tendencies and I'm not perfect. And, yeah. you know, but Jesus says something somewhere about, um, what does he say? Agreeing with your accusers. Mm-hmm. Agree quickly. Agree quickly. And I don't hear a lot of teaching about that. No. There's not a lot of deep Bible study or sermon series talking about agreeing with your accusers. There's a lot of pastors that will preach about um, not being accused as elders of the church and not allowing accusations to be be oh, made yeah. without witnesses and without whatnot. witnesses one one two or three <laughs> whatever it is yeah no that's on, gold go ahead I, if you couple that with what you're saying with um, I also took that to my wife right so I said sweetheart oh yeah that'll do it are they are are they seeing something I'm not do you agree with them and she would look at me and be like. Dude, and I was like, know, I was like, you do agree with them. You do agree with them. All right. You know, we I, we had a conversation here. I, it may have been this last episode or even the episode before. I think it was where I talked about how you know I I asked my wife like, hey, you know, what are some character flaws that I have like in my life? Like, what are some areas that I really need to work on? And I mean, she told me, and it hurts. It hurts to hear those things. It hurts to hear them from you know your loved ones, the people oh, closest yeah. to you. But if you're somebody who who is to a point in your life to where you're like, I am just so unhappy and this and that. And I just, I feel like I'm always angry. Like ask the people that are closest to you. And if, if you, if you have any shred of doubt in you and like, why would the people closest to you lie, you know, like about Mm -hmm. how you really are. And so I think that we can trust those voices in our lives. If you really, I just had a, I went and had a beer with a buddy the other day on Sunday night (gasps) and we, and we dance to, uh, no, we just did lines. (laughs) Line oh. dancing, line oh. dancing. We oh. did line dancing. Oh gosh! Yes, yeah, so, but we we got into a really big conversation about um and well here I'll get to share my big parenting revelation. Boom. Um, I I told him I said you know, uh, I was thinking the other day and I was thinking about my son and and parenting and specifically how I react in situations and how my kids are always watching everything that I do and how uh, uh, I was talking to somebody about the Enneagram and they were like oh what number do you think your kids are and I was like ah, I don't know it's really too it's really too early to tell and they're like well just whatever number you want them to be give them that childhood trauma from that and then you know you can shape them to who you want to be and I was like oh my Whoa. gosh but the idea that we can affect someone so so here was my profound thought that like 
I like the phrase that I've been telling myself just over the past couple of weeks is, is be the man that you want your son to become. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can even extend that to children, like be yeah. the man that you, or be the human, the person the human, yeah. that you want your children to be. Because, you know, there's a lot of things in me that I've inherited from my parents mm-hmm. that are not good qualities and that yeah. are not good characteristics. And when you, you start thinking about how that affects your, our children, yeah. it's a pretty good push to change. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet you can't guess what my number is on the Enneagram. Are you an eight? I am an eight. How did you know? <laughs> oh, good job. Yep. I, don't, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to guess that. The... I, I think another impo- <laughs> just another important thing that I wanted to kind of pull I'm out. I'm a of nine, this. by the way. Sorry, I'm a seven. Um, oh, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. There we go. Um, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. Do you remember that dumb joke? I, I do. do. Okay, just I told it when just, I was five years old. Uh, yeah, I remember. Actually, I don't. <laughs> um, just another important thing. Like, I I've realized this about myself before. And there's been times where I've had to say it to other people, um, but you are the common denominator in all of your relationships. No, gosh. You are the common denominator in all of your interactions with human beings. Yeah. You're it. And so a lot of people will say, well, it's just them. It's, it's just the old people. They're, it's just the deacons. It's just the SBC churches I it's served in. It's the church just, plants. It's right, the pastors. It's just to this. It's, it's just to that. But yeah. you yeah. are the common denominator in all the Gosh, places that you so go, right? true. And so you really, again, one of the things we've been talking about a lot on our podcast recently, I guess recently is just our last episode, but mm-hmm. introspection and self-awareness, like it's so important to be able to, to look to self and to be able to <clears> self-diagnose, <throat> um, you know, and, and, and look into the different things that you're experiencing or whatever it is. And just be aware of how you are and who you are and the way that you're being around others. And that's just super important. Um, so we, I think we, we kind of got on the angry train, I think more than the hurt hurt train, more than the church hurt train, but no, that's totally fine because, but I think the anger probably stemmed from the hurt. Oh, absolutely. So, you know what, what do we say to somebody and, it could be the same thing we say to somebody who's angry, but what do you say to someone who's been hurt by the church who, um, you know, who's been in your position where they've seen their family or friends yelled at by deacons or pastors or fired or kicked out or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, can, can we define something before he answers that? Absolutely. Okay. I, I mean, I think a lot of the common denominator in church hurt often has to do with people and how we're treated. I mean, no one ever is hurt by the pew I mean, like, I hate that pew, that pew. It's like someone has done something to you, said something, said something about you. I mean, like, there's always a, another human involved um, in any type of, I think, church hurt that experiences. And so I just kind of wanted to throw that out there and, and shape that yeah. or, or put that before sure. whatever your answer was going to be. That is, oh, man, it's such a good question because it's it's hard to tell somebody, don't get offended, <laughs> Um, and not to hold this right. over, not to hold this over the whole church, uh, and that's that's the danger, and that's the danger I felt fell into, or the trap I fell into was that um, I began to paint with broad strokes the whole church based on my few experiences, mm. yeah. and what I found is that when I began to be honest with myself, was that I found that not all churches and all church people are like that, and. When I began to stop going into each church experience with with those presuppositional thoughts of 
this church is going to hurt me. These people are going to be like this, you know. When yeah. I put that aside and just said, you know what? This is a new group of people. They are not the people I just walked away from. You know, there may be people here that are going to hurt me, but you know what? I'm not going to go in here expecting that. And I'm not going to hold over them the hurts that they didn't give me. Um, in other words, I'm not going to hold them accountable to the wounds that somebody else gave me. Oh, that's ooh, that is that is good. Say that again and make it more profound. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to make hold, it rhyme. <laughs> I'm not going to hold others accountable for the wounds that they didn't give me. Dang, wow. that's Yikes. good. We yeah. can end the podcast right there. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, see ya. Plug pull. Oh no, I, we lost the audio. Oh, it's gone. No. <laughs> um, I did want to. I did want to throw something good. out there when you were talking about. Um, what was it? It was a. Uh, you know, the self-awareness, just being able to do the self-introspection. Right. Um, there is going to be people that when you start talking about it and being transparent about it, that are going to accuse you of being falsely humble. Oh. Uh, in fact, I was accused of that the other day. I was told I was I was faking humility by talking about... Like just kind of for the pat on the back? Yeah, and I said... No, I, I said humility is being willing to admit that I'm wrong. Fake humility is putting the word if in front of it. Like, oh, uh, yeah. So if okay, I say, maybe, I'm yeah. sorry for you, I, I'm sorry I hurt you, that's being humble. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if I hurt you is fake humility. Ooh. So yeah. I've, I've had some pretty heated arguments with close loved ones about how apologies are given mm. based on semantics and that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I think, yeah, it's good to, uh, it's good to consider how you're apologizing and how you're doing those kinds of right. things. But you also have to, you know, if it's somebody really close, like a spouse, yeah. you, you, you know, when it's sincere, when it's not regardless of the words they use, I think. Mm-hmm. So, right. But anyways, yeah, that's a different, it's a different now, situation. There's another trap we fall into, though, when we're doing the introspection, is that we begin to stay there. We get to linger in yeah. in that, right? I could sit around and just talk about how stupid I am and how angry I was and and never move to a place where I'm, I'm bettering myself because of it. Um, and when I get stuck there, that's a problem. Um, if I don't allow my introspection to motivate me to, to be better going forward then I'm kind of wasting that introspection anyway. So, right. So what's the practical after that then? The practical of that is, um, for me, it's, it's putting, basically it's walking the talk, right? I could putting action here. to your thoughts. Yeah. And, and something that really put that into perspective for me was first Corinthians 13, um, where it talks about, um, how we can, we can, speak the truth, we can speak the languages of, of heaven, we can do all these things, but if we lack love and compassion, then we are no better than a clanging symbol, and that we're basically wasting our time. Mm, and when I began wow. to really uh, think about that with regards to myself, and I'm like, okay, I could sit here and and speak about how angry I was and, and how it messed up my life, and I can I can... I can continue to be that way, or I can say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk this out. I'm gonna have love for myself because, you know, the Bible teaches that if I to love others, I have to love them as I love myself. And right. 
if I'm not loving myself because I'm just constantly beating myself up all the time, mm, yeah, you know, that that's that sounds selfish when you say it. Um, yeah, you like, know, it's you just made me think of something. It is it's totally possible to speak your mind and give your <clears throat> your opinion and share your convictions and speak truth and stand up for the Bible and for the Word of God and what's right. And do that in such a way that you are simply noise. Yeah. Yeah. And Dang. so because of the heart behind it, you strip it of all of its potential. Yeah. And that's what scripture says. So people get out there and they get on their pedestals and they scream and yell and they they, they hit those symbols and they bang that gong of truth and justice and yeah. what the Lord, what's right and righteous and God honoring. And when they do it with the wrong heart without love, they're just simply noise. Yeah, and I think it's what First That's Timothy. Tough. It's either First or Second Timothy, where Paul's talking about, you know, being willing to give a defense for your faith, but to be gentle and kind. Mm. What? Hey, let me ask you a question. What would have changed it for you? Like, what would have changed it for you? Like, maybe helped you go down a different path than when everything culminated at the at you losing your job. Like, what would have needed to happen in your life for? someone to help intervene and like hmm. help you. I don't know if you can think of anything, but <laughs> Honestly, maybe I'll I think, just simply ask the, Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think what happened was what needed to happen. Um, right. I'm just that thick headed, um, that I need a hammer upside the head to wake up. Yeah. So you don't think like maybe someone coming alongside you and sticking it out, even as tough as it was and being there. And like, you think you really did have to kind of hit, kind of hit a floor for you to go oh man like something as serious as like we don't have health care you know what what how are we going to pay for this like all that like it's kind of the wake-up call you needed yeah i think for me it was that way but i i wouldn't say that i'm necessarily the standard either you know for each person it's going to be different you know you, you never hope that anybody's going to hit rock bottom to be able to right. snap out of their their yeah. projectile or projection sorry um right and i just that was me, but others may be quicker to learn uh, from others' mistakes. What, wasn't it, it was on your last episode, The Battle of the Ages, where one of the guys was talking about it being absurd to live by the ideology that you just learn from other people's, mis or you learn from your own mistakes. Yes. Right? They're saying, no, you learn from other people's yeah, mistakes. Yeah, for sure. That was right? Michael so, the Wise. Oh, I quoted Michael the Wise. Michael you the did. Wise. It's very quotable, that wise Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and that is true. I mean, and he and he used the example of like touching a hot stove. Like you teach your kid not to touch the hot stove. You don't want them to learn by actually burning themselves. My daughter touched a hot stove today. Yeah. And she burned her hand. Yeah. And he I said, told her not to waste that experience. <laughs> I did. After, oh, I put, after I put some aloe on it. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Uh, yeah. No, but basically said your kids ought to come into adulthood with all of their childhood scars, having learned from all their experiences. Oh, man. Yeah. So anyways, that's good stuff. Don't you feel good that I actually listened to your podcast and retained things that. from it? Yeah. Makes I had a me long, feel warm and fuzzy. I had a long uh, long drive from Houston to Wichita. So. <laughs> what he's saying is, is he ran out of all the other podcasts that he used to listen to. No, I purposely listened to Angry Christian Podcasts. That's not what I, you told me. Stop. I'm kidding. You, Christopher. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's I love funny. to stir the pot. I'm a pot stirrer. You're a pot stirrer. And I think a lot of it... You know who else stirs pots? Witches. While no, they casting stir, spells. they stir cauldrons. Okay. Oh. They don't stir pots. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Silly. Okay. But 
Well, the reason I had asked you that question earlier about like, is, is there anything that anyone could have done to kind of maybe kind of help you see a little bit more clearly? Because I'm yeah. thinking about our audience and just people who, you know, have gone through church hurt. And yeah. I feel, you know, like for me, I've had some church hurt and I I feel like the most common response that I've re- received from people is one of frustration and anger when I talk about it. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's because sometimes I paint it in broad strokes and they feel like they get caught in the crossfire. It, that's right. what happens, you know. And you know we have a lot of pastor friends, and so sure. Yeah, you throw a net and they, you know, or you give a description, they fit it. It's like stereotypes, right? And yeah. and, and so I guess I'm just trying to think of like uh, other people. How can we help other people in the midst of their church hurt? Yeah. And I don't know if that's simply acknowledging that. You know, I don't. I don't know. It's yeah. all different. All church it, hurt is different, so it, it can't really be prescriptive. I think, uh, you know, something else that helped us was that my wife and I actually went to counseling. Um, That's good. And up to this point in my life, I had always been like, dude, counseling's for losers. Like, you got to be really messed up to go to counseling. Guess what? I was really messed up. I needed to go to counseling. And you were Um, a loser. And I was an absolute loser. And <laughs> That's what you just said. I had to say it. You said it. <laughs> so she she and I actually went for like seven or eight months um, last year. And sitting through that and facing the church hurts. Because, you know, our church hurts weren't just from church people. We experienced probably our deepest wounds from the pastors we served under. And, Gosh, that's tough. And staff Ouch. people we served alongside of. Um, Those sting worse, man, because you, like, think you're in the trenches with these people. Yes. And they probably th- say the same thing about me, honestly. For They're sure. probably looking back on the situation and say, well, you know, Brad, you know, he was my staff who went rogue, you know. And, in fact, I know you it's been said about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I became that, uh, what do you call it, a sermon illustration. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been become, there. Yeah, I, I was that as a kid. You were a sermon illustration, bro. I was a series illustration. <laughs> oh, snap. I'm just kidding. I just made that up. I wasn't. How, <laughs> this week at Beat, Sheep Beater Church, join us for our new series called How Not to Be a Chris Cerna. Oh, my God. We wow. spend four weeks. Yeah. Ooh. It's funny. Good stuff. I, I, I probably would need to be in part of that uh, series as well. <laughs> yeah. You would need to attend or you, they'd be talking about you Talking too. about me, probably. Oh, um, I, see. I see. No, I, I mean, seriously, it, those are especially when you you look to them as mentors and you look to them as father figures, especially mm-hmm. in my life, because three or four years ago, my parents split. My dad was a pastor. Um, oh, but he, man. He got, he got caught in an affair and um, divorced Gosh. my mom. He married the woman that he had an affair with, you know, and so he and I have kind of uh, not talked for a long time now. And you know, so my pastor became kind of a father figure to me. My father-in-law was like that to me as well, um, and still is. But, you know, my pastor was somebody I saw more frequently than my father-in-law. And so I, I kind of adopted him. I even said it to him, you know, like, I, I see you as kind of a father figure to me. You know, you know the situation with my dad. And in spite of that, um, I still got hurt. And, you know, it was just like, ooh. And so my wife and I had to go through that eight months of counseling of really dredging up some of these hurts, not only from our family, but the churches and the pastors we served in, you know, to be able to just get them out and talk about them with somebody who wasn't in those moments with us, um, who could look at that, you know, objectively and be able to offer input and some thoughts on it. Um, 
helped us to really process and kind of get things out on the table because when you bottle it up, I mean, that's honestly where a lot of my anger came from was me bottling up these hurts, these wounds, and it would manifest itself at random terrible timing um, yeah. moments. So, Man, you said something that was so key. I think getting around people that, and, and talking about it, that have no dog in the fight is so important because, you know, we've run in circles where it's easy for us to get around people who had similar church hurt from similar people and for yeah. it to just be a crap fest where we're just, you know, a just dumping fest, on, yeah. yeah, bash fest, just bashing yeah. this person oh, yeah. and doing this and doing that. And that's, that's not, that's super unhealthy, you know, and, right. and you don't get anywhere. You just, yeah. you just wallow in that, in that filth. And I think getting around somebody who like, it's like, Hey, they can just listen. They can give insight, hopefully godly Christ filled insight and in, in direction. That's so, so, so key. Yeah. yeah, I think in a lot of this, agreed to and, moving past. Oh yeah, and, and it's easy, I think, as human beings, to fall into the trap of gathering people around you who are hurting like you, because you just Birds become a giant fire. echo chamber yep. of this is fun. Echo chamber. Yeah, that's the word. Misery loves company, as they say. It really does, and you almost are hesitant to give up that misery because that means you might have to actually. Move on from it. And, <laughs> and give up the community that you found because yeah. of the misery. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, you said something earlier, um, just talking about like loving others as you love yourself. Yeah. And I think just from hearing just the, the totality of your story and then hearing about your dad and, and his struggle and, and that kind of stuff, like you've, you know, a lot of this story has shown a really ugly side of, of people and an, a quote unquote ugly side of Christianity. But the truth is this, this is the real Christianity and this, yeah. these are real people yeah. who are really broken, who are learning to try and love, um, learning to, you know, they're, they're trying to learn to love and be like Christ, but everybody's still really struggling with yeah. just, you know, the hurts and their pains. And then you get everybody in a room who's, you know, who's struggling with hurts and pain and, yeah. and, and it's, it's going to surface, but man, um, can, can you give our listeners just a, a closing, a closing word or a, you know, bit of advice or yeah. just what do you want to leave them with? And then, and then we'll, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, I mean, simply put, you know, the reality is, is the church is made up of broken people. Um, right. we're all broken, we're all scarred, we're all wounded emotionally, physically, mentally, all of these things. And, um, you know, don't, don't look to the church as the ideal of perfection. Um, it's mm. good. When you begin to hold them in that place, you, you misunderstand the church. The church is who Jesus came for. Jesus, who is perfect. His bride is being perfected, but we're not we're not perfect by any stretch of the means. And when we have the wrong expectation of the church, we're setting ourselves up for that failure, that hurt, that wound, because we're yeah. going in there thinking, well, these church people should be different. Well, they should be, sure, <laughs> um, but they're still human, and they're still going to make massive mistakes. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good, man. I appreciate it. Thank, Brad, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Yeah, um, man. We had some. This was really good. We had some gold there at the end. Oh yeah, really was, good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, I took way there. too long to get to that gold. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, you were setting up the equipment to mine, man. 
yeah. it was, it was <laughs> That's good. Right. It was very good conversation. If man, if this conversation, listeners, if any of this has resonated with you, or or you feel like this has been a conversation um, that that has been helpful, shoot us an email. Let us know. We'd love to share that stuff with Brad, Jason. Where can they shoot us an email at? Salty Dogs Podcast at Gmail dot com, or go to the Salty Dogs, or what is it? SaltyDogsPodcast.com. No the. Yeah, there's no the. SaltyDogsPodcast.com. We have a contact us page and you can hit us up. Right. And we'd love to have some salt because we didn't have any salt today. So That's we, got, right. we want to read your words all over the airwaves. So let us know. Just you can, uh, yeah, do that. Do Please. that thing. I'm going <laughs> right. to cry if you don't. Eagerfortruth.com, right? Yep. Eager for truth. And Angry Christian Podcast. You're on all of the fun podcast outlets, Apple. All Podcast, the above. Google, all those, all those yep. places. Cool. Are you on uh, social media anywhere that people can find you if they would like? Yeah, to? Um, our Facebook page is actually Recovering Angry Christian. Um, okay. But if you look at at Recovering Angry Christian, but it will mm-hmm. take you to Angry Christian Podcast. Um, yep. We also have Angry Christian Podcast Group, uh, where you can join in the conversation and have. Yeah, fun with go us. join his group. Yeah, go go do that. Love to engage with you. Yes, join the Salty Dogs. Salty Dogs Christian Podcast Group. Yeah. Sweet deal. I, I don't think this will be the last that you're hearing of Brad or Angry Christian. No, not at all. There's some cool things in the works. Yes. They're only saying that because I'm sitting here. When they get off the air, they're going to be like, yeah, let's never bring that guy back. That was total crap. <laughs> We're not even going to run that. Yeah, it's like, what happened? Dude, I can't find the video. I can't share it. Oh, I don't it's know there. what happened, it's, man. It's Facebook. there. We can see it. <laughs> Weird. That's funny. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's call it. Salty Dogs Book Club, patreon.com slash Salty Dogs Podcast. We really want you to join. We got spots. We want to read cool books and have good conversations. We want to talk to you. We don't have friends. Yeah. We've made them all mad. So That's come right. be our friends. We've pissed them all off on mm-hmm. Facebook and so they don't want to even talk to us anymore. Yep. Sad. I wonder how many times I've been unfollowed. I've wondered that about myself too. If you've unfollowed me and you're listening to this, let me know. I thought you were going to say. And let me know why. Something else. I've had some people that said they were going to unfollow me because of my catch-up things that I've been doing. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's a, funny. That's a whole nother deal. All right, y'all. Salty dogs. Out. Oh. Oh.